trying to remember what day it is and work out which matches we have to talk about, welcome to another episode of Hand of Pod. weekend and uh, it's time for you to listen to this podcast. The reason we're not in the middle of the week is that we've had two rounds of matches since we last recorded. It's been uh, a while, Brad. Eight days ago or something. Um, so we've not all lost track of exactly what's happening. Uh, the Doneo Inicial is now three matches old and we're going to talk about it in a second. Immediately after I introduce myself and who I'm with. I'm Sam Kelly. Um, I'm sitting in Dan Edwards' living room. English Dan is here with us. We've not just broken in. Well, they tried to break in, but I said, you know, it's a little bit uncivilised, I'll let you through the front door, it's a bit easier. Uh, welcome back, guys, it's lovely to have you in my house, and it's good to be back on the pod as well, it's been a while. Indeed, and we know that you always love to come on after Racing have had good results. So. Of course, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I only get an invite, or I can only make it when Racing fall, crash and burn. Yes, funny that, isn't it? It's entirely yeah, coincidental. entirely coincidental, I'm sure. Uh, dear listeners, you've already heard the uh, laughter of Rob Brown, who's with us again. Hello. Just back from Rosario, good to be here. Indeed, yeah, we, we've invited Rob on partly because we want to make the most of him before he buggers off back to England, and partly because he has actually been to two matches in the flesh this weekend. Uh, this weekend, this week... Match day. I've already said I'm losing track of what, what day it is, so there we go. Um, and we've also got, for his second appearance on Hand of Pod, I'm promising to speak up just a little bit more uh, this time, welcome Peter Goats. Thanks for having me back for the second time. Peter, for those who uh, can't remember from last time, or I think I might have forgot to mention it last time, is the author of golasoargentino.wordpress.com, a very fine English language football blog, which is certainly more reliably updated than Astel Gol Siempre. Um, so go and listen to it, or read it indeed. Now listen to this, read that. Um, where do we start? I suppose we need to start with, with round two, don't we? Which feels like it was an age away now. Yeah, yeah it was less than a week ago, but I can barely remember it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's start with that one. This is where I get the computer on like that and start looking at the results. Which I've just realised I've forgotten about. Godoy Cruz won. That was the first one last Friday. Yeah. 2 uh, 0. Um, yeah, it started well. Anyone? You might have to turn it on. There you go. It's going to work a lot better if you uh, turn okay. it on. What's your password then? I will cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> if you do happen to break into my flat, do you want me to give the address and the hours I'm at home as well? Although we got the the door here is like a bank vault door, so try it. For the purposes of humour, I'm going to leave all of this discussion in apart from the bit where Dan told him and said his password. I will cut that out just in case you heard a few seconds of muteness there. Go on then, do you feel lucky? Godoy Cruz claimed a 2-0 win to kick off the second round of Tornero Inicial action. The 2-0 win was at home and it was against... Come on, are they known? Well, I told you Godoy Cruz in the result, but I didn't tell you who against. No, I can remember Godoy Cruz wanted. It was against Quilmes. Ah, uh, uh, well, that makes sense. That match, of course, the reason, was, uh, the reason that it is worth mentioning is that it spelled the end for Vlasjunta. 
Yeah. As uh, as God, as God, like boss, that would be interesting. As Kilimes boss, yeah. um, the man who was in charge of Almirante Brown for about 125 years, eight years, Lovely which years. is pretty much yeah. 125 years in Argentina. Precisely, is um, is no more after ten matches in charge yeah. of Kilimes. Eight in the the initial and two in yeah. the final. Um, so not quite as you know lustrous and long serving in Kilimes, but you know. I think it all evens out to about an average, an average reign, right? Eight years and three months. But he's still up in terms of. An well, somewhere in yeah, the middle he's of the still up. You've got Ricardo Gareca, haven't you? So yeah, yeah, maybe not average, but it, it's still respectable. His average is, is still good. Um, he's been replaced by Ricardo Caruso Lombardi. <laughs> God help us all! It was it was possibly the most predictable appointment in all. Of you that. say that, but it was a little bit resisted. I know there's a lot of players still in. Um, in Kilmes that didn't want to see him back after he left and they even dedicated their promotion to him um, yeah they dedicated their promotion to him after he left for San Lorenzo and I know I think the fans are going to want him even less to be honest Indeed. although he continues to weave this magic spell over all of Argentine journalism and fans who see him as a saviour so I don't know how long this is going to last he's such great coffee not, he is not, great not so much for us we just like laughing at him because nobody Abroad wants to read about Ricardo. Well, you don't think Argentine journalists are they laugh at him? Yeah, no, of course, of course they, they do. But, but the other thing is that he also sells papers. Of he course. always says something stupid. Carlos <laughs> um, Lombardi is essentially he's not perhaps quite as loud mouthed as Maradona. Doesn't say it's quite enough. He's sort of like I always see him as the Argentine Neil Warnock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, Lance. Rob, do you have any? I'm just shuddering at the comparison and the idea of an Argentine Neil Warnock. <laughs> <laughs> I think either an Argentine Neil Warnock or an English Caruso Lombardi is a terrifying prospect. Yeah. Mm. And neither is. Uh, Caruso Lombardi's reign began on Wednesday, yes, Wednesday at home to Colón de Santa Fe. With another defeat. One of the, the main talking points here, and it resulted in a 2-0 loss. Now, listeners who've got good memories will realise that that means Colón have won a match. Not only that, Colón have won two matches, because the on the weekend... Uh, they beat Argentino Juniors 1-0 yeah. Gabriel Graciani the midfielder for a team who previously hadn't scored in nine hours of football has now scored twice in two matches himself and the second one the oh it was a belter yeah. the absolute beauty who was that Brazilian right back who scored ridiculous goals in 1982 Junior or Junior yeah it was exactly like one of his wasn't it, it was storming down the right wing because just yeah. lashed it into the near post no, before the keeper had even seen it it seemed to yeah. keep accelerating it apparently when it hit the net it was doing 106.4 kilometres an hour I can well believe that um, yeah yeah hell of a hit it was during Arsenal versus Milan and uh, it was better struck than sorry it was during Arsenal versus Bayern and it was better struck than uh, Tony Cruz's goal in that game yeah. although I see like some it. people still try to claim that the goalkeeper was at fault. He was he was yeah. waiting for the cross. You could see he was waiting for the cross. The goalkeeper should have been covering his near <laughs> yeah. post in that situation. He should have been preparing for a cross. Um. <laughs> but no, for Kilmes it was a disastrous week. Absolutely yeah. fatal. I mean, Kilmes, uh, what we didn't two, yeah. scored any considered four goals. Colón on the yeah. run. But I think the the most important point is those two matches against Cruz and Colón. They're against direct relegation rivals. Yeah, they do. And yeah, it's like I think I didn't think they'd go down like. They went among my my choices to go down. I think both Colón and Guadalcruz were, hmm. and but now like those two games, yeah, they've really put them in the in the brown stuff. Yeah, I would agree. And after the week one as well, when I saw Godoy Cruz lose to Argentinos, mm-hmm. where they were awful. Yeah, I was thinking, well, I think my selection yeah. is right that they've turned around. And but 
better was to come. When, yeah, better was to come for a Godot Chris if Sam wants to elaborate. Because they've now won twice in a row. Indeed. Um, they Monumentalas. want a, a way to, to River Plate on Wednesday night. Um, even as a River fan, it's quite difficult to deny that it was an entertaining match. Mm. Uh, had a bit of everything. River um, scored a goal with one of their strikers for the first time since mid-November. Giovanni Simeone's goal. Um, also in defeat, interestingly. In, so in not Cavani? It was Cavani. No, no, no. Simeone's was the last goal. Oh, I see. Scored by a River striker ah, okay. in mid-November. Sorry. And the, during the 3-1 defeat to Olimpo. Fernando Cavani opened the scoring. Um and everything looked good and River were attacking in numbers again as they have been doing so far um, in 2014 and then it all sort of fell apart and the wheels came off the wagon mm-hmm. Godoy Cruz got back level and in the fourth minute of stoppage time or third minute of stoppage time they got a winner having already had one goal disallowed incorrectly mm-hmm. although understandably incorrectly there's no real conspiracy about it um, gentlemen takes a shot uh, Barrovero saved it it was Jose Luis Fernandez wasn't it Barrovero saved it the ball bounced off to an on-rushing midfielder who hit the shot at which point by this time Fernandez has already run past Barrovero so he's the closest person to the goal on the pitch um, and it looked on the TV and at speed and I'm guessing clearly from where the lines were standing it looked very much like it hit Fernandez on the back of the leg and bounced in um, after about five replays the television commentators were able to announce that it was clearly an incorrect decision uh, after looking at it from different angles on slow motion for the fifth time and the goal should have stood because it actually clicked the post um, mm. and then went in but Godoy Cruz got the winner anyway after which Leandro Grimi the former Milan defender um, whilst he was forming part of the celebratory huddle was hit on the back by a piece of wood about yay big that <laughs> I'm holding my hands out roughly shoulder width um, which had been thrown down from the stand. Crisis of River. <laughs> I don't think it's such a crisis. Like, obviously, that was, you know, rub and salt in the wound because now, you know, we've all seen that the authorities have been cracking down on stadium misbehaviour. They've been giving out bans and closures like, like no one's business. So I think of, uh, with precedent, they're going to get that monument they'll shut down for um, for one game I'm sure. there's, there's a lot of cynicism about this at the moment in Argentine football because of course River uh, Boca have had the stadium closed recently All Boys have had the stadium closed Vélez. during these matches they're talking about Vélez have had their stadium closed it was partially opened again um, it was supposed to be a three match uh, ban for Vélez but they actually were allowed some fans into the platea um, during their most recent home game um, and of course, uh, last year or the year before, uh, a River fan got stabbed to death by a Barra Brava inside the stadium, mm-hmm. and the authorities' response to that was to close down the popular at River Plate Stadium rather than the entire place. Um, so there are lots of fans who feel that River get preferential treatment. So there's a yeah. uh, big argument to suggest that it's possibly true. Um, so we'll see. River have already identified the culprit. They've announced that he's going to be. They've sent him a letter saying he's no longer a club member, that his membership's being revoked, he's not going to get out back into the stadium. Um, and they're obviously going to be trying to talk to the AFER about, as a result, seeing whether they can get a lesser penalty, which I suppose they're within their rights to do, but personally... It would set a bad example, I think. It's yeah. got to be, yeah. it's got to be closed. Imagine if it happened at Chacarita or Atlanta. Oof. They'd have the stadium closed for the rest of, of the year. Yeah. Um, no, but what I was saying is, I think from a footballing point of view... Obviously, it was a blow, but I think River, you know, they started pretty well in the season. They got they got a decent win at, at the weekend before. Was it against Gimnasia? 
in the first week only had one nil win over Gimnasia yeah. and then Leonardo Fonsio scored and then they followed it up yeah. with one one draw which they were unlucky to be picked back I think that they could have taken the points they there. could have been further ahead yeah. the problem in, for River is that although they're as I say they're attacking in more numbers now when, when, when they're getting into the box rather than just being one guy Teo Gutierrez or yeah. Giovanni Simeone on their own in the box trying to do something with it they're actually getting three men yeah Cavanaghi's going to be massive um, for that which is creating more chances and, and also yeah, literally yeah, he's a big boy. <laughs> and yet they, they still can't seem to finish them anyway. Um, they're still struggling to score more than a goal in the game. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to they're gonna muddle through light, I think. No, I think they Compared to Boca, the, the crisis, if you want to call it that, is... You know, we'll get on to Boca's crisis no a little bit I think River at least is a historic result for Boca. Yeah, uh, River, they got, they got everything kind of in the right place, but we're going to see, you know... If One they can the, kind of click, but it's going to take some time from yeah. the last season where they yeah. basically did nothing going forward. And, and, and the, but the big thing, of course, is being River. It's the pressure going yeah. to to result in this this idea that the strikers can't seem to finish, becoming a, a self fulfilling prophecy, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, because other clubs might be looking at it and thinking, well, you know, if it was a club the size of. Godoy Cruz or Rafael or something you could think well yeah they could have a bit more leeway but River have got to score River have got of course. to be yeah. thrashing teams yeah, yeah. at the Monumental 3 or 4 nil every time as Joel always says about River what he's on is ganar golear y gustar mm-hmm. uh, win thrash and enjoy or whatever um, but no I don't think in River there's any immediate cause for concern coming off a very good summer like well excellent summer really you know, two wins and a draw over Boca like, and I my, my companion here doesn't Put much stock in the in the summer, but okay. it's going to buy him time. No, but it's going to buy him time at least. You know, mm. two wins over Boca, it stays in the minds. You know, it gives him a bit of a honeymoon, and that um, could that could um, you know it will help. It will stop the nerves from setting in, and it could you know prove to be useful. This is one of those results where the next few games determines how it's going to be seen. Yeah. If they win the next few games, it will be seen as a blip and something that yeah. happened while it was a work in progress. And if they can, if they falter some more, then it'll be seen as the beginning of the crisis or the point at which the honeymoon period ended. And but of course, we could go any way between now and the next couple of episodes because there are matches coming so thick and fast. Uh, we've got next midweek off, thank God. Um, but the next midweek round after that isn't going to be very much longer in coming. I'm not sure exactly when it is. But I think it's uh, the fourth, maybe fourth of March. Oh, yeah, that's the week after next. Okay, I think probably. so. Um, Another week of, of 1am dinners for me in that case, I'll to stay up and assemble my next round previews and as soon as each day's match is finished. Um, anyway, enough rambling about my job. We've had some other results as well uh, from rounds two and three. Amongst them, Bella Southfield getting two impressive wins in a row. First of all, 3 1 away to Arsenal. First time Arsenal have lost consecutive home league matches since the 2010 Clausura. Um, 3-1 against uh, Belles, and of course the, the final home match of the Torneo Inicial was a 4-1 thrashing at the hands of Belgrano for Arsenal. Um, and then Belles uh, followed that up with a 3-0 win at home to All Boys, who are doomed, aren't they? Yeah, All Boys in the relegation zone at the moment. But no, but they're, anyway, they're, they're on the way down. Um, much has been a good win, for, a good week for Belles. Um, a poor week for all boys not a great week for Arsenal themselves actually because after that 3-1 defeat against at home to Dallas they went away to uh, oh no they, they won away to Olympia yeah in fact it's been not acceptable like, yeah because Olympia were, were um, pretty well in good form yeah. the year as well um, they need that I think Olympia was astonishing with six games unbeaten so there you go are Olympia now doomed they've lost one match in a row 
No, <laughs> Olimpo, <laughs> Olimpo is going well. Tomorrow it's all boys Olimpo, isn't it? Tomorrow? Possibly today. The idea was going to be to try and get this edited later tonight and get it online in the early hours of Saturday morning um, so that people can listen to it at the matches. But yes, all boys on info at 7 15. In Bayo Blanca? In in Floresta. Ah, okay. Uh, Right after Lanus versus Valley Southfield to open the the round with. There you go. Estudiantes have done one as well. We should mention Estudiantes. Of course, yeah. Three wins in three. One or three matches so far. They are top of the league. Guido Carricio turned out to be the second coming of Duván Zapata. <laughs> um, so even though Juan Sebastián Merón is, is basically, um, even though Juan Sebastián Merón is basically angry at everybody, and of just just wants everybody else who's not him at Estudiantes to fuck off and die. It would seem um, they're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe. Oh, this is going to sound awful. Who did they beat on Saturday? They beat Lanús. No. no. Oh no, they that wasn't the week. No, no. Yeah, last Saturday they beat Lanús. Was it Lanús? Uh, that was midweek. Oh, it was midweek. Sorry, they oh, so one 0 away to All Boys, and then they won yeah. two one. At in the All Boys game, Veron started and then came off, and we couldn't believe watching it just how angry Veron was. Yeah. It was like the last five minutes and maybe three or four minutes of stoppage time. Veron sat in the dugout at first and was soon seen on the touchline yelling at everybody to do 11 players 11 different instructions at once which basically amounted to get the ball as far away from our goal as possible and keep it there again and again and again and again until the final whistle went but it seems um, like his anger's working like, yeah. at, like there must yeah. be shit scared of Varon because he's getting something out of him I mean I've seen I watch quite a lot of Estudiantes against Lanús and you can't say they're particularly entertaining team to watch but they're very solid basically what Pellegrino was doing um, the previous year he was you know Sort of fixing a team that had been really fucked up after Savela left, and yeah. you know sorting out, putting some order back, and I think that's what's paying off now. And um, you know, Carrillo's found his scoring boots. Uh, yeah, it looks good for him. I don't know if they can keep it up, and yeah, they'll be changing the title. Yeah, but big surprise. I think they, like yeah. you said, solid. And I think that's yeah, a, it's a, a column, yeah, a consolidation. Yeah, maybe they've won every game by what, what, yeah. one goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're clearly not going to win 19 matches but I don't see why they can't put the title challenge together because they're just not conceding goals yeah. they, they don't want into Lanús and Lanús are one of the best attacking sides in the country and that was after a triple save from Ruruli like, yeah. he really didn't want to let that in no no exactly they've got a fantastic goalkeeper they've got mm-hmm. decent defenders in spite of losing Santiago Bergini uh, to Sunderland of course in January um, and as I said they've got Guido Carricho who showed some promise during the Inicial and has now started with three goals in three games. Um, the finale scored twice against Lanús the other day, one from the penalty spot. Uh, if I remember right, I think one was a penalty. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the perhaps not as exciting to watch as, as Lanús or as Venice. I won't say Newells anymore because Newells pretty much stopped scoring uh, until... I would yeah, remind. Did you not see Ainz's Golasso yesterday? Yeah, I've seen uh, yesterday's. yesterday's it's an incredible okay. goal. I strongly recommend Beautiful anyone goal. to yeah. search out the Ainz goal on the Football Para Todos YouTube mm. feed or just by YouTube, searching YouTube yeah. for Ainz own goal and the most recent New World result. <laughs> Spectacular diving header. That own goal was against Belgrano in Cordoba. In Cordoba, it came a few minutes after. Came a few minutes after Maximiliano Rodriguez, another uh, Newell's player who's had a successful, glittering career in Europe, had put Newell's ahead from the spot. That was mm-hmm. Newell's first goal in 
five yeah. games. After no, a disgusting no, foul. Absolutely filthy oh, really? tackle from from Malavi. Right. Just came out and absolutely blitzed Maxi. Like he could barely walk. I don't know how he took the penalty, but yeah, yeah that's why he was booked. It was yeah. I think those were the two highlights of that game. Like Olavi's pole axing and Maxi, and then a, you know an own goal for for the record books. I think I read that Maxi Rodriguez was the there was only one shot either end on target in the game. Could well be. Wow. Does that include Einstein's one? I don't think that they included <laughs> that. I think that's self-inflicted. So Newells have finally got two people on the score sheet anyway, but yeah. unfortunately they still can't win. They're now 12 league games without a win. Mm. Um, 13 if we add in their Copa Libertadores, uh, 1-0 defeat away to Atletico Nacional. I think on the same night that this podcast was recorded two weeks ago, so we might, I don't think we mentioned it because we recorded before it. Yeah, it was um, really late, wasn't it? Like mm. 11 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. So. yeah, there are lots of very late kickoffs in the Libertadores at the moment. It's quite infuriating. Um, but at the moment we have Estudiantes top of the league on nine points. Vélez and Rafaela and Rosario Central all just behind them on seven. Mm-hmm. Rosario Central's a uh, couple of weeks, a couple of rounds, we should say, uh, have been decent ones. They have, uh, I think they were held to a draw, one, one draw in the opening weekend, wasn't it? Um, no, right. sorry, they did kill this one nil away yeah, on the opening weekend. Yeah. And then they were held to a one one draw at home to River Plate in the midweek last week. Um, second round and have beaten 3 uh, Ignacio yeah. in a rather even match actually both sides yeah it was yeah, very end to end very target, yeah. 4 or 5 off target decent chances entertaining stuff and uh, Rob was was there this was last night yes Rob. it was and it was some experience I have to say having never been to Rosario or a match outside of Buenos Aires it was quite interesting to see just how tight security is outside Capital mm. In kind of contrast to the usual two or three checks you may get at some of the bigger grounds, one at the smaller ones, we were waved through without barely even seeing a policeman into the stadium last night. As a consequence, this atmosphere was pretty raucous throughout, and following the third goal, which followed a quite remarkable throw-in from Gymnasia, Yes, in now which, which was in the 89th, 89th minute, minute and now they're about. about as hard as it's possible to hit yeah. football if you're not Gabriel Graciani. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not sure why the, uh, Gymnasia elected to take a defensive throw into their goalkeeper at 2-1 down in the 89th minute. Uh, the ball was cleared into midfield and the goalkeeper decided basically to man-mark the corner flag and when it returned he was nowhere to be seen. There was a scramble and the ball ended up in the net. At which point uh, the Central Popular exploded into a sea of light and flares and the pitch filled up with smoke. Uh, as an atmospheric spectacle it was just about the most incredible thing I've ever seen in a football stadium um, but yeah it could never happen in Capital not with the police checks and such mm. tight, relatively tight security couldn't even happen in the province of Buenos Aires could it no. as you also found out because that's not the only game you've been to since no. to go back to the match itself yeah it did 3-1 flattered Central I thought for an hour maybe 70 minutes it looked like Central were pulling teeth Gymnasia mm. uh, had by far the better of the first half uh, and only really went in level because they decided not to mark anybody at a corner. Uh, I don't know which player headed in the central equaliser, but it was just about the freest header you're ever going to see. Uh, it wasn't Donati, was it? It was. Uh, it was Donati. Oh, Donati then. <laughs> but yeah, um, Central have had a good solid start to the finale, but on the basis of last night's showing, they're going to need to do a little more work before they can be conce- seen as. Mm-hmm 
title contenders. The Central fans were singing, we've seen the champions, and I don't think that's going to be the case <laughs> come the end of the final. Still, they've got two wins from the first three rounds of the Donnell final against yeah. relegation opponents in yeah. Central. Yeah. Way up the relegation table, of course, but with only one season on the standing, only the current season counting for them. They need to keep winning until the end of the season, essentially. They've beaten Kim, they've beaten Gymnasia, and they're drawing against River Plate. Um, so we're not, you know, they're, they're, uh, they've got some respectable results, even if they're not entirely convincing. As I mentioned, Rob, you've been to another match um, yes. in the same round of matches, wasn't it? Yes, on Tuesday night, Racing against. Oh, God, Elan's going to kill me for getting this. Uh, Tigre, that's right. Well, no, yes. I get the name of the winning team. Um, and. As you tweeted from the stadium towards the end of the game, you can now say you've seen Racing. Yes. And as I tweeted back, you have to wait until the end because they might have actually got to scramble a late equaliser. <laughs> in the end, it turned out to be. Let's ask Dan first of all because I suspect you're going to have slightly. I've already read your blog post about it. Yeah. I, think it, I suspect that the way that Dan sees it is going to be similar to the way I saw it, which was just a typical Racing luck. No luck. Chance. Just no luck Chance. at all. What the fuck <laughs> is going on with this team? <laughs> as, I, as I tweeted to Rob towards the end. Some of the chances they missed towards the end of the match were just bordering on self-parody. It was absolutely amazing. It was hilarious to watch as a complete user. I've got to admit. Dan, tell us about how you experienced the match. I was just complete agony from start to finish. To add add a bit of context, by the way, Tigre took the lead in the eighth minute um, through some very racing-like defending from a set piece. It was almost a carbon copy of the goal that they conceded against San Lorenzo, which was another another 1-0 defeat. Yes, right. Racing have lost twice 1-0 since we last recorded. Almost the same goal in the same minute. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, And proceeded then to just throw the kitchen sink and everything else with it. Mm, You say that like... Yeah. They did attack. They put everything forward and, yeah, missed a lot of chances. Javi Garcia decided that for this game he was going to be Casillas and be the best goalkeeper in the world. I think that was, I think I read afterwards it was the first time in his career or the first time since like 2002 he's kept three consecutive, consecutive clean sheets. I think four. Or four, four. Something like that, yeah. But yeah it was Suddenly he, he appeared as like yeah. the best goalkeeper ever. Which always happens against the rest. This is Javier, Javier Garcia, by the way, who Joel has mentioned on Hand of Pod recently, or well, not recently, but at some, some point last year, which is being an absolutely awful goalkeeper. Yeah, possibly the worst goalkeeper ever to start for Boca, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it out there. But yeah, but Racing didn't help themselves either. Like There was a lot of attack, but it was all very ponderous, very slow building, like getting up to about a third of the way into Tigres half and then spraying out to one wing trying to go back to the other like kind of no penetration no real urgency you know. and I think that's what really does him like just kind of real pedestrian attacking mm-hmm. well, then, my view was slightly different because I uh, kind of I was struck immediately Fair by point. Tigre's rather unorthodox shape as I wrote in my blog post it's rather common in fact almost uh, uniform to see the two sides in uh, the Primera at the moment set up with identical flat 4-4-2s and just take turns at chipping the ball into the box from wide areas towards two out-and-out. Well, that's almost that Tigre had a flat-back eight. Yeah, well, Tigre started with a a flat-back four with three defensive midfielders in front of it and then three sort of high-stationed attackers. It it was kind of what we would call a Christmas tree if we were to do it in England. Um, This consequently meant that Racing had no way to go through the middle. and so, yeah, the, the, the space was obviously on the flanks and they spent, as Dan said, the 
time chipping the ball out to one flank, switching it back mm-hmm. to the other, and then trying to put the same balls into yeah. the, cro- uh, the box. Problem is, Alche and Viola have basically no pace and movement to either of them, so there was no way they were ever going to. No, Alche has make pace. It. He just has no brain. Well, yeah, he's got a lot. Of, yeah, in terms of the t- tools to find space against what you said was a flat back mm. eight, it was nothing there. There was no, no way they were ever going to get through. I think it only really started changing when Vieto came on, and then yeah. Camaronesi when you started to actually see kind of balls going in through yeah. the through the fence. But when Vieto came on, they changed to a diamond system, which kind of matched up to Tigres, but. That meant that they lost the space they were finding in wide areas and so, for me, nullified their attack even further. I thought once they went to that diamond, that was the last chance they had, really. After that, they were never going to score. I, I was, everyone seemed convinced that they created and missed chances. I saw a couple of half chances, snapshots, and Garcia made a couple of saves, but for me, Tigre were well worth the win. They, they had a plan. Nah, there was, there was loads of chances. They had a loads plan. Of chances. They, they were ready for those chances. <laughs> we said Garcia played like Casillas. He played like Casillas because he was ready. All those chances were from positions that he was prepared to be facing shots from. There's been a lot of uh, sports psychology stuff said in recent years about visualisation. There was nothing that came at him that he hadn't already seen in his mind and saved already, so he was totally prepared. It, it, You've seen some of the ones that Garcia's let in. <laughs> he wouldn't be so shocked. <laughs> Tigre's plan was almost entirely uh, reactive and almost repugnantly reductive in terms of footballing philosophy, but it got them the three points and I was pleased to see them get it, truth be told, even though I was sitting with Racing fans, wearing a Racing shirt and doing my best not to stand out like a gringo. In short, one win, two draws, no goals conceded and one goal scored so far from three matches for Tigre and Philadelphia. Are you becoming fans of Fabian Allegri as manager? Never. Yeah. Aside uh, from anything else, anybody, as I've said on Twitter already, any any manager who who's got the guts to turn up for his job looking like that in yeah. a football stadium, I, I must admit, from, from my seat in the platea, looking down at the touchline of uh, Mustaza Melo and Fabian Allegri, it was like, have I turned up at a Paris fashion show or something? Why is everyone dressed like this? Fabian Allegri basically googling Fabian A L E G R E. Um, turns up to every match that he manages basically looking as if he's going to a rock concert yeah he looks like he could be in Fleet Foxes or something he's about he's 48 <laughs> he's still got that hair and that dress sense yeah um, and opposite Mostasso is an absolute treat yeah yes exactly <laughs> as I said that, that's got to be yeah. Mostasso has to invite him on for his next television advert because Mostasso's TV advert so I don't think you've seen, seen anyone who's been there Rob but they're, they're magnificent he's arguably the manager who's most prepared to make fun of himself of course, um, so, yeah. he seems like an inc- you know. Just say what you say. You like to say about the old-fashioned managers and the problem that Argentine clubs have. But uh, Mostasa as a person seems seems like a quite a guy, um, and I think him and Allegro together would make a fantastic double act for, for any brand looking to promote themselves in Argentina. <laughs> Maybe we should try and talk them into doing a hundred pot TV offer. That'd be brilliant. Um, so th- those were the two games that, that Rob's been to. Um, Peter dropping out of the feed. Have you managed to get to Independientes since we last recorded? No, I haven't. What's no. happened to it? I've not been paying any attention at all. I've since, been scrambling to keep up with the crew. Well, since the preview, the first weekend they they won two one against Brown. Yeah. And then they followed that up with a one one draw against Unidos. I remember tweeting during the Brown game actually that. Um, they were 2 0 up after about 14 minutes, weren't yeah. they? This was like the day after we'd recorded saying Independiente haven't really opened up and thrashed anyone. Yet. <laughs> yeah. And I tweeted, this is going to be it. This is where we're just going to see the plaster and the end of 2 1. Um, I was thinking the same thing with that game against uh, Brown, but with them going 2 0 up so quickly, and then Sua made the first goal of the thing when he basically 
ran through the middle of the defence. Yeah, it was, it was like one of those strange goals where the defence seems to all wait for each other to clear it. The ball balanced and only one guy went and suddenly he was through on goal. Yeah, and it, and it was looking very promising, but then similar to the first half of the season, really, Independiente then looked pretty yeah, they, poor. Yeah, they, they folded like a house of cards yeah. or something. That, that, as soon as they, they had that red card, they were under the cosh for the rest of the game. Yeah, and once again, they, they helped, they, in that game anyway, they held on for a win. And then again, we're pretty awful against Pocahontas and salvaged a draw. Yeah. Anyway, um, there was no midweek round that we'd seen in the B. No, no, no. Uh, so independent the third game, 2014, are now away. Kicks off in now. El Lucidi. Oh, it's in an hour's time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, today's the 21st, of course. Indeed. Um, yeah, I went to El Lucidi of Mario Plata, the club that Mario Camaranesi uh, began his career at. And where Merlo was without managing a guy. Yes. Lassie. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> we talked about that when he joined Racing. Um, so, yes, we'll, we'll see. But as a result, this bit of the podcast will already be slightly out of date by the time we go online, so we're not going to talk about it anymore. But for the mm-hmm. moment, in fact, let's, let's just talk about it for two seconds longer. Um, it's Banfield on 50 points, Defensive DC on 45, and Independiente on 42. Those are the promotion spots in the B at the moment. And there's a four point drop, unfortunately, to Crucero and Nogde, who have played one game more. Independiente they've played yeah. 24 everyone above them has played 23 yeah they just played earlier yes except Defensive Justicia have actually played 24 as well because they've beaten Boca Unidos so presumably they've got 48 points rather than 45 um, oh no they're beating Boca Unidos at the moment so I see that's a live yeah. score this is what you get when you prepare for a podcast properly isn't it Jones um, Banfield have won both their games since the break and I think they are looking they're going up yeah. as yeah. if they're going to win yeah. the, the division no operation for Almeida yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like nothing against I think he got a bit of a rough deal at River, um, but he's also been slightly fortunate in that he's been in the National B with the two best yeah. squads probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean all the same, he, he was do, as you say, he was doing well at River when they sacked him. Um, for Ramon Diaz as we all said in fact at the time when Diaz came I don't know if he was doing well but he's done no worse than Diaz no, no, in the same time Diaz hasn't done any better and it was hard at the time to see how Diaz was going to do any better given that he, he hasn't managed yeah. anyone to a decent level for Six, 10 years yeah. um, <laughs> no a bit less like 8 years less than San Lorenzo yeah oh yeah true 2007 is it that long since he managed Oxford <laughs> Yeah, he moved from River to Oxford in 2001. River no, to Oxford? What a move. It was a lot, lot after that, because that was when I was going to Cambridge. I watched the mighty Ramon Diaz at Cambridge United with his squad of mostly Argentine players who could not understand the football Cambridge United were playing. And they were kind of equally curious and disgusted as to why the ball kept flying over their heads. <laughs> the relentless hoofball of the English lower league. So they watched it. Like penguins watching a helicopter, kind of. <laughs> his Spanish language Wikipedia on the stats bit actually doesn't mention his time managing Oxford. It's probably it's for the best. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't anything to write home about. English language Wikipedia, I'm assuming, will do. Not if it's written by the same person. I think it was 2004 to oh, five. Right. I think it was the season Cambridge went down. It, it was 2004 to five. Yeah. Right? Sorry. Yeah. So it was slightly better. I've heard several. Fourteen now. Yeah. Ten years ago. I've said. I've seen several. <laughs> theories as to what actually happened with Diaz being at Oxford and my favourite one is that he actually did it to make money while he was on holiday in England oh. he, he, he came over with the view to taking a certain, I'll just chill out in England for a few months and he had 
Why don't you manage a team? Yeah, all right. So you just managed this yeah. team, brought over a few other time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chilled out, saw London, and then I don't, the time came for him to get residency, and he was like, actually, you know, fuck this. And uh, yeah, it was it was he was working technically as an illegal immigrant. Yeah. When the time came for him to actually formalise his stay, he chose not to and returned to Argentina. There you go. It wouldn't surprise you, would it? Um, especially well, it wouldn't surprise us after covering Argentine football for all this time. Any other notable results that we've not mentioned Boca. from the last two rounds? Boca. Do we have to talk about Boca? Of course, you really? have to talk about Boca. He says with a San Lorenzo's two consecutive wins. San Lorenzo, as well, yeah. San Lorenzo have won twice consecutive. The champions are up and running now. They won one 0 at home to Racing, as we've already mentioned, and then they won two 0 away to Argentinos Juniors. Yeah. Routine wins, yeah, it was really yeah, tough. Well, that's the encouraging thing, isn't it? It was a following, routine win after where they after, started yeah, with a 2 0 defeat to Olimpo and then a 2 0 defeat away to Botafogo in the Copa Libertadores. Uh, it looks now like they're, they're back up and running. Yeah, Angel Correa, two assists against Argentina. And well, neither was anything to write home about, or it wasn't, you know, Burkamp or Zona esque. They were both really intelligent, good decisions. First one on one with the goalkeeper rolls it to one side for Romagnoli to roll into an empty net. And then. Uh, Last season, perhaps we'd have seen him take the wrong option for the second goal, where he was one-on-one with the defender, and in this case, rolled it back for... Matos. Matos, Matos that's right. Yeah. Matos to curl into the far corner. Lovely finish. Um, and I, I thought San Lorenzo looked pretty good. It was difficult to tell, because Argentinos were pretty bad. But San Lorenzo, I think, had more options than most in terms yeah. of goal scorers, yeah. and I think oh, it's promising that Blandi got the winner against yeah, Racing, and then... Yeah. Matos obviously yeah. got up and running against Yeah, and after we were saying in recent time of Pod's edition, we couldn't see where the next goal was coming for them <laughs> because they were playing so badly. There was no no goal threat at all, and suddenly they're back up and running again. Yeah, um, and so now we move on uh, reluctantly, of course. We, we do try, as long term listeners know, there are no Boca fans who are regular or indeed even uh, temporary or occasional members of the Hand of Pod team, that, that's not through design, it's just that we don't know any speak English and, and want to come on regularly. Um, we do try not to gloat at Boca, but they don't help make it difficult sometimes. Um, What's the Argentine Spanish for Schadenfreude? <laughs> we can move on, I wasn't actually expecting an answer for that. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Um, there was uh, they, they looked like they were up and running six minutes in against Belgrano at home yeah. at Bombonera where in spite of uh, the amount of negativity that, that uh, not only us but you know, pretty much everybody threw at them during 2013 they have a very good record at home um, but it was an empty Pauline, stadium yes uh, yes that's true uh, in, in front of an empty stadium Juan <laughs> Pauline uh, put them into the lead six minutes in that was a great set piece as well. Yeah, I don't like to really compliment set piece no. routines as they are a bit Wimbledon 1980s, but yes. uh, yeah, they worked it very well. There was no chance for Belgrano to stop that. Um, and Belgrano, basically, I mean, Boca could have been outside, yeah, time. certainly, yeah, yeah. Long comfortably. Uh, played really well. Belgrano were pathetic, and then they just seemed to reverse roles at yeah. half time. And all of the chances that Boca had missed in the first half, Belgrano scored in the second. <laughs> Emiliano Rigone uh, absolutely smashed them level about a minute into the second half. Luciano Lolo uh, scored a penalty uh, 64th minute. I'm trying to remember what the foul was for. Oh, the, uh, who's the left back? Zarate. Zarate, yeah. Zarate uh, clipped, insert right midfielder's name. Down the right? uh, was probably put, yeah, was no, no doubt, apparently. So it was about as clear as it can get. Um, for Lolo to smash home the penalty and then. Picante Pereira 
himself uh, scored to make it 3 1 as we ticked into stopping time. The, the third attempt, was it? I think. Yes. yes. Yeah. Someone else had one attempt, yeah. he had two. Yeah. Another second. Um, and Luciano Acosta got the, the second consolation or the consolation for the Boca. With so yeah, a sweet strike as well. Yeah, Caught full on the volley. Yeah. Uh, straight up into the top corner of the crowd of people. It was, it was fantastic. But it counted for nothing. And uh, Boca's week went from bad to worse just last night, Thursday evening. They played Rafaela away in Rafaela. We have been talking since Hand Pod began about how Rafaela always been hard to beat during their current spell in the Primera, which began back in 2009 or 8, I think it was. Um, nah, more recently. That was when they beat River at the playoff. They went up in the same year as. They went up in the same year as Begorana. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, about 2011, because they've been mm-hmm. very difficult to uh, to beat at home since then. And in the last two matches at home to Boca Juniors, um, they've both been fantastic games. Oh, no, they, they beat Central in the uh, playoff. Right that's, right, that's what I thought, yes. The year before. There you go. Um, and they've, uh, they've had late leads against Boca seemingly in both of those games. Uh, last year, of course, uh, Luciano Viatri scored a fantastic overhead kick in the last minute to get an equaliser for Boca in the 2 2 draw. Luciano Viatri. What's his first name? Lucas. Lucas, Lucas Viatri, thank you. You, got, you knew who I was talking about. <laughs> um, to, to get a 2 2 draw, and it seemed like Rafaela were just getting closer and closer to getting this historic first win mm. on the Boca. And this is a point that we make, of course, Boca and River have lurched from crisis to crisis over the last decade. But still, because of the way Argentine football's made up, because of the history, mm. because of the fact that media go on about them all the time. Any time that the club get their first ever win over one of those two clubs, it is a big thing. And last night, uh, Atletico Rafaela got their first ever win over Boca Juniors. Um, yeah. Atletico de Rafaela, we should say. Very much deserved, I think. Boca yeah. did very, very little. The last 15 you know. minutes, Rafaela were really starting to look a bit like they were shitting themselves. And yeah, the naturally. Pretty big, I mean. so they realised it was coming, they realised yeah. they were close to it. It's um, still a big scalp. For the first 75 minutes, Rafaela were just so clearly mm-hmm. the team. Completely. I think yeah, I think Boca were just like too timid after conceding three in the Bombonera against Belgrano, and they just didn't they just didn't want to play. After really uh, no nothing. Hearing uh, your enthusiasm for Rafaela's um, improbable title challenge towards the end, the end of the Inicial, uh, I think it would be quite fitting if Hand of Pod became sort of officially in favour of Rafaela winning the final. Oh, we definitely are. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, well, as far as I'm concerned, we are. It's my yeah. podcast, so. Yes, indeed. There's uh, a couple of Racing friends I have have decided that if Rafaela do uh, somehow pull, off, pull it off and take the final, they're going to go to the Obelisco and celebrate. Just because, why not? It's, it's just not going to happen, but if it does, might as well make the most of it. Wave the Rafaela flag around yeah. in the middle of Buenos Aires. Sort of <laughs> I think we were saying before that River might not be in crisis still, but Boca undoubtedly is. 100% like yeah. you know, there have even been some whispers about how much longer Carlos Bianchi is going to be able to continue of course like, and one of the things the thing is they have to stop thinking now about not this year but the year coming relegation Rodrigo Eramuspe we should say by the way I've just realised I can't actually mention the name of the goal scorer for Rafaela he put them ahead 11 minutes into the second half one of the things that that's most damning um, I think in terms of Bianchi's um Management and of course we mentioned River not so much in crisis, just struggling a bit at the moment. But it's not really full blown crisis. But it's not to say that we don't realise that Ramon Diaz possibly not the best manager for River. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things that's most damaging in terms of, of, of Bianchi's 
um, reputation of Boca at present, I think, is that, again, last night, throughout the first half, Boca continued to give Rafael free kicks, particularly yeah. wide on the right, to a lesser extent in, in central areas. Maybe not zones that you could shoot from, but clearly areas where they were going to be putting the ball yeah, into the, the box, where yeah. they needed to concentrate and make sure that they mark well from set pieces. Yeah. And it's something that Boca <coughs> failed time and time again to do. I remember us talking about it on this podcast a year ago, when Bianchi had been in charge for a month, the number of goals that Boca yeah. could see from set pieces. And although Rafael's goal last night came, if I remember right, from open play, they threatened a bunch of times from set pieces mm-hmm. in the first half. Uh, they went right over the crossbar. Agustin Oriol had to make a couple of really good saves from, from headers on set pieces. Yeah. I must say, even, then, even if it was from open play, it was just about as close as you can get to a set piece without actually being a set piece. The, box, the box was absolutely loaded with people, and there was, they just tossed the ball in, it got the header, and yeah. seemed to carry a lot further than it should have done into the net. Um, but I mean, you just you think how, how many times do they need to concede mm. from set pieces before Bianchi says, you know what? Well, not to sound like train marking set pieces today. Not to repeat or go over old ground that Australian Dan has run and truly trampled. Uh, the faith in old legends and heroes of yesterday in uh, Argentine football, and particularly in Boca Juniors at the moment, is quite remarkable. I'm not sure what Bianchi has done to deserve to, this chance. To which end, Boca Juniors currently they came back to Buenos Aires uh, last night and they've gone straight to the Concentración Hotel, which is uh, right near my house. Actually, it's in Puerto Madero. It's uh, uh, three, well, two minute walk away from from my flat in San Telmo, um, ahead of their home match again. I keep starting sentences and not knowing how they finish. <laughs> uh, their home match this weekend is on Sunday. And Estudiantes, no? Yeah, Estudiantes, thank you, please. Oof. Um, so they're, they're concentrating now already for that mm-hmm. on Friday night. And who's included in the concentration? Who's going to be... Riquelme. Juan Roman Riquelme. They say even if he's only capable of playing the last two or three minutes <laughs> off the bench, they're still going to include him in the squad. <laughs> yeah, well, I see. wonder how bad it he must be yeah. he's hardly the fittest guy um, as it yeah. is so. our friends at Data Football Argentina tweeted last night that uh, with so far this season when Riquelme's played Boca have um, I can't remember whether it's won 50% of the points or they've won 50% of the matches i.e. You know, 66% of the points when he's in the squad and they've only won 18% of the points yeah. when he's not been in the squad well, so, he is but you kind of think God, does, does that actually justify just leaving him on the bench just <laughs> You know, some kind of lucky charm, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> it's because the whole squad's built around him being in the team and fit. Like yeah. that's how they play. Giliotti's um, a good striker, but he's a striker that needs everything laid yeah. on a plate yeah, for him. He's a ten behind him. Would you not have thought they'd have realised at some point over the last two and a half years? They should have, he's of course. And even you know, they sent Paredes off to to Italy. They yeah. sent you know Araujo off to Tigre. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous that they sent him off, and yeah. it wasn't exactly if you know ten million it's euros. It's yeah. one yeah. million. He's not even a Roma. Something like that. Yeah. An eighteen-month loan as well. Yeah. Really. No, bizarre. Bizarre decision. So yeah, Boca's uh, reliance on, on old uh, legends it doesn't only extend to the managerial seat, it's, uh, it's very much a problem that they're having with Riquelme as well, which as we say, Riquelme on his day when he's fit and playing, absolutely fine player, but, but unfortunately... You're going to see very few of them days now, yeah. Um, so I think it's been, um, that's probably been the biggest error of uh, Boca made, just not preparing for a life without Riquelme. 
Yeah. But I said coincidentally enough in an article that came out yesterday. But I can repeat myself here, I think. Where was the article published? In Bleacher Report. There we go. Go to Bleacher Report and try and wait through the you can search my name or with Rakemi I'm sure it's going to be the only article well, there with Rakemi that's, that's going to be much easier to try to and digging through barrels so. um, right now seriously are there any other results that are really noticeable and that we've missed no I think we've mentioned everything that's recorded no I think we've done we've yeah. mentioned the Colon have won twice in a row without conceding yeah. after a 15 match run without a win we've mentioned that Newell's are rubbish uh, Newell's lost 3-0 to him can, can I just mention that if we, c- if we consider football as an aesthetic exercise then Newell's currently are morally winning football then it, <laughs> yeah, their, their pass completion is off the chart if they could just actually score some goals they yeah. could actually be pretty they're, good they're getting about 87% possession in every match or yeah. something. but, but they're, they're treating the rest of the league like subhuman scum by <laughs> refusing to look at their squad over the <laughs> summer and think we need a striker really we're going to have three matches a week coming up in the next five months and we've got one striker who's 36 years old who hasn't got any knees anymore and they never thought at any point okay Fabian Munoz as well who perhaps is promising but he's got a lot of pressure on him and he showed you in the initial he wasn't living up to that, that expectation too well it might have been a good idea to sign something other than Evo Banega who talented yeah. and clearly too good for the Argentine league though he is uh, isn't really <laughs> that was another kind of tra- that was another transfer which was pretty much a fuck you to the league right like, you know well, we're going to keep playing our stuff you know we're going to take more possession yeah. we're going to keep doing more sideways passes and yeah and in fact I saw somebody tweet regarding Danego and of course the other uh, Argentine number 5 who's arguably too good for the league Fernando Gago uh, last night during the Boca game look at how Gago's playing now yeah. and Argentina are uh, four months away from the World Cup mm-hmm. yeah. it's a little bit worrying it's yeah. worrying for the fact they're not exactly short of options no. as alternatives but you, you know Gago's one of the, the players who's nailed on to be in um, yeah. uh, West Cup. I always said South Africa it's in Brazil <laughs> um, Maradona is not in charge anymore so they definitely won't be heading to South Africa um, he's always nailed on to, to be there and he's no, not exactly on top of his game at the moment no but then it's been something he's yeah. position because of the Riquelme stuff he's yeah. always being told to play as a number 10 which yeah, is, he's, yeah. he's shooting which I'm not mm. Yeah, I've never seen it happen before. Why the hell is Gago shooting? Yeah. How many goals has Gago scored in his career? Do you think I'm going to give you sure. a Should we have like a speech? I'll say 12. The thing with Gago, I think, we've seen it all the way through um, Savela's time at, in Argentina when Gago really got like a, a protagonist role. He's always played better in the national team than, than for any club. You know, he's had more more play and everything. And how, many, how many goals have you say, Rob? 12. According to Wikipedia, he scored four. Oh my god. One for Boca Juniors, one for Real Madrid, one for Roma, and one for Venice. I'm including in his back garden. I'm just going to Romario the stats. Yeah, I know. It's his kid in goal. I saw his kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the first weekend when I was covering the Fed Cup in Pilar. Oh, yeah. Who should wonder in the Oh, no, you see this. It's his wife, and uh, she sat down in front of me with, with who I. I mean, I, I assumed it was Fernando Gago's kid. He's got Fernando Gago's eyes. Um, and obviously, Gago was, was training for the Bonka. Um, so I can only assume that it was, in fact, their daughter and that she hadn't snatched up someone else. Um, we can yeah. only hope. That would be a hell of an exclusive fan of both. I would say he wouldn't. She said, all you've got rubs, kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he, he wouldn't know much of a goalkeeper, his budget's small. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Gagos managed to score eight goals past him. That's why he scored. Despite not having any eyes. Sorry, yeah, I've just realised why you all burst out laughing and, and what the uh, <laughs> unintended implication was when I said I see this Gagos kid. Uh, it's definitely Gagos kid. Uh, but it was a. Anyway, let's move on. Um, 
In fact, let's refill our glasses, because I'm going to close it. And we will come back after this bit of music, and we will do some more talking. I saw you were a bit strapped for ideas there, so I thought I'd jump in, you know, give you a bit of a prompt, Sam. Thank you very much for it, Dan, because the squad has been announced for the friendly that's coming up. Does it on your website as well? The Argentine Football Association website, afa.org.ar, defaults to English for some reason, regardless of where you visit it from or what browser. Um, So, you know, you can go and check it out. It's quite bad English, which is quite funny. Um, um, the reason that we're going to talk about these call-ups, Argentina played Romania in Bucharest, I think it's in Bucharest, isn't it? On the, yes it is, on the 15th of March, at 4 o'clock p.m. Argentine time. There we go. Uh, that's uh, 9pm uh, Romanian time, I think. East European time. Um, and there have been two, well, yeah two call-ups that we've been agitating for for some time. One is, is not particularly surprising. He's been in a couple of squads recently. It's Gino Peruzzi, mm-hmm. um, formerly of Venice Sarsfield and now of Catania in Italy. The other, for the first time, is Sandro Lopez. Not, not the 30-ish year old uh, Leon and former harassing striker. No, he's in Kuwait now. Oh, is he? Kuwait or Qatar, one of them countries. You must be really obsessed with wrestling if you keep up to date with the players on that level, don't you? <laughs> no, it comes up every now and then on a list. How oh, Lissandra's getting on. Lucratively. Um, Lucratively. Lucratively, I'm, I'm sure. But the other one, the other Lissandra. Yes. Lopez, uh, the, the former Arsenal de Sarandi and now um, Hitafe, that's who he's with, isn't he? Side for mm-hmm. Benfica and got lined up to Hitafe yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And he's been so good for them that he's been called up mm-hmm. to the Argentine national team. Could he be the answer to Argentina's problems at centre-back, even though Argentina's problems are actually more at full-back? But anyway, could he be the answer? I don't know if he'll be the answer, but he's, um, he's a step in the right direction. Like We all love watching him here. I thought he was the best defender by miles in, uh, in the Argentine Premier Like for the years he was in, in Arsenal. That partnership with Berliso was basically why they won the title. And it was him who was making Wadiso look good, as we like to find out. Indeed. Yeah. And he scored quite a few goals as well. Yeah. Which I think he's done in... again in Gaddafi. Oh, really? Well, he yeah. scored. He's I've seen he scored, yeah. he's, he's scored, yeah. scored two, two or, three, or three, yeah. Which for a yeah. back is a pretty good goal scoring. Right? He's going to yeah. provide a, a, a goal scoring threat from set pieces, certainly. Which is what Argentina do not have definitively. Mm. No. Unless Messi goes to uh, Bennett. No, I think it's um, it's a great move, like. As we said, you know, it gives you a lot of security up in the air from all set pieces, like defensively as well. He's, you know, someone who really organises defence. He put his head in where where it's not wanted by by attackers, and yeah, you you can also play a bit. Like he's not um, a donkey on the on the floor by any means. So yeah, I think it was the right choice, and 
It's only surprised me it's taken this long. No, it doesn't hasn't surprised me really at all since he played for Arsenal. But it was it was overdue. Three goals in seventeen matches for Kedafi. Only so one in six. Just under just one, in one in three. So it's due to one World Cup if you go. No, out. nearly one in three. So. Three oh, goals in right. seventeen games. Yeah. One in six. So yes, he's uh, certainly not going to play for Very, very close to his ratio at Arsenal as well. Uh, at Chacarita, he only scored twice in 25 games. But at Arsenal, he scored 17 in 100. He was only a lad there. And no one scored in Chacarita when he was there. <laughs> no, exactly. That's, that's not a major thing. He's probably the leading goal scorer for the 2009-10 season. Um, there is one name missing. From, from the uh, list of, of convocados on the Argentine football Association. Lopez, the other one. Which they do insist is subject to modification still, but we have a question to answer about it um, after the, the, the question music is played, so we won't talk about We tell him that Diego Melito is not coming back, no matter how much we want him. No, Diego Melito. <laughs> um, another man who's not coming back to the Argentine national team. Oh, but there's another man who is in, I should say, who we haven't mentioned. Go on. Esteban Cambiaso. Is he not? No, he was. He left. I heard this one. He's not on this list, aren't you? No, I, 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 read, I read that him and Devez still might not. Yeah. Oh, I read before that he was in and Devez wasn't. No, I, I, read, I read that. I've been, I've been misinformed then. He's, he's not on the list on the AFA yeah. website anyway, which of course doesn't necessarily mean that yeah. he's not on because the AFA like yeah. getting accurate information. I'm sure that's what I heard, that he was, you know. Him and Lisandro Lopez were the, the two surprises. The Inter players on this list are uh, Hugo Campagnaro, mm-hmm. who where he moved to Inter, um, Ricky Alvarez, yeah, Rodrigo Palacio, uh, and that's it. Mm. Those are the Inter players on that. Nicolás Otamendi is, is uh, called back up again. He's now playing at Atletico Mineiro in Brazil. Uh, and the others are the, the bunch that you already know about the underwhelming fullbacks, like Jose Basanto, Marcos Rojo. Um, Pablo Sabaletta, of course, is not an underwhelming fullback, but it's the only really decent one they've got. Mm-hmm. Apart from Sanetti, who's still not in, even though he still runs like a 21 year old. And looks like, looked a, like a 21 year old. Um, and has the hair of a 46 year old. <laughs> that's fine, because he almost is 46. Um, one man who's also not being called back up for Argentina, even though he just might possibly be returning to competitive action Diego Armando. Maradona. <laughs> no. We have to at least mention the fact that yeah. the gentleman whose actions gave this podcast its dreadfully punny name um, is, is apparently, according to some bloke who's been quoted in the back page of the Argentine equivalent of Metro, um, thinking about coming back to play football again. Nah, I'll be up. Is he? No. <laughs> Obviously not. That's what Handelpon thinks of those rumours. Although he is looking very trim, judging by his ludicrous video that he released at mm. around New Year when he decided I'm to like... him in his pants. No wonder he's got so many girls pregnant with that kind of tricks. <laughs> he's got another girl pregnant. Well, yeah. the same girl as last time, except that he's now with someone else. So yeah. That's pretty controversial, but we've not mentioned that Diego's going to be a father again. For the sixth Often time, I believe. Around on Twitter yeah. about the, the fecundity of his seed and all of this other stuff. Um, that, that's your Maradona lot for, for this um, for this week Thanks. and now I think we are going to play some music and we'll come back now so just a couple of your questions because there have only been a couple of your questions uh, in a second
Moorhead, first of all. Um, we've already mentioned that Godoy Cruz have started well. He says, what chances do you give on them climbing out of the promedio positions and attaining safety? We should point out that in spite of the reasonable Domeo Inicial and a good start to the final, Godoy Cruz are still in the relegation zone. Um, can they stay up? They've really got to fight against them. Yeah. They can. Mm-hmm. I think they can. There's a lot of pretty dreadful teams down there. So, yeah, if they can keep winning games, um, I don't see why not. But They're at the top of the relegation zone at present. I think Dino Junior's at the bottom of the relegation table. Kimmer's second bottom. Um, Godoy Cruz are third bottom. And then Godoy, uh, Colón are just ahead of them, one point ahead of them. But I suppose, like we mentioned earlier, I think we'd all expect all boys to yeah. get further yeah. sucked into that so uh, all boys in the are actually level on 118 points of course Cologne have had a, a 6 point deduction don't forget um, but that's the 818 is, is Cologne's total after the 6 point deduction has been applied um, so all boys in Cologne both level on 118 Godoy Cruz have 117 Argentinos have 114 so although they're bottom they could mm. leapfrog and then you've got a leap for just above with 27 points from 22 games uh, there's been a bit of a jump to Tigre they've got 127 so they're 9 clear of all boys of Colón at the moment you think at this stage that Tigre especially playing the way they are at the moment are yeah they're not going to so, give up many points um, Godoy Chris I'd give a chance a lot's going to depend on A whether these two recent wins for it in a row for Colón can cause them to kick on and suddenly become a decent team again particularly if they can regain their former form at home when they were almost <laughs> impossible to beat for decades and decades and decades of yeah but not for like the last four years I don't think like. no indeed uh, they have one seed one championship about two or three years ago where they had returned to those former ways yeah and then it goes to be crap after it um, and when the all boys continue to be as bad as they are at the moment I think we can bank on that. I think at least one of those three teams at the bottom is almost guaranteed to climb above all boys at least. Yeah. And I was speaking... Well, the three it's going to be yeah. is another matter. I was speaking recently to um, to a friend of mine who lives in the neighbourhood who's also an all boys fan and he's absolutely fuming at Falcioni and the directors. So I think they went from a, uh, a 16 million peso debt to a 100, 116 million peso debt in the space of a year. Oh my god! All through Falcioni because you know remember in the winter he brought in like twenty three players, yeah, and just yeah, just wow. the club's been hollowed out completely hollowed out. That's a debt about one four and a half of the debt of Rivers' debt, yeah. And all boys have got a stadium about a tenth of the size. An income about a tenth of the size, literally probably about a fifth of the size of Rivers. Um, didn't get matched it, and of course they've not got the media profile, they've not got the sponsors. Not quite. Yeah, that's that's enormous for for all boys. Yeah. 117 million something around around that it's over 100 million wow and it was almost breaking even In, uh, if you're listening to this and you don't know the, the exchange rate into Argentine pesos that's about £10.50 it's a crippling amount of money for yeah. an Argentine club to own to, um, to own sorry I've got there in the end um, so that's right the, the short answer we got the cruise question is very much depends on how the teams in and around them do, but you'd expect them to be able to climb above at least one of them. They might have to climb above a couple more. Yeah. Um, it's D asks, do we think Fede Carrizo's future is at Boca, or more hopefully, in Europe? Fede Carrizo? Federico Carrizo. We're all sitting around wondering who he is. It's D, so... Is it um, his cousin or something? <laughs> his brother? Let's see what Boca's squad was for their last match, shall we? Who knows Ferry Carrizo? Never heard of him. I'm now bringing up Boca's entire squad list for the Primera in the Torneo Final. 
with the caveat, of course, that if he turns out to be an under-21, he doesn't have to be registered, so he might not actually feature on this. <laughs> um, here we go. Curry software. Does he exist? I can see uh, Francisco Celeste is the only player listed on Universal Football. Do a Google search. Do a Google search for this character. I think it's a trick because he, want, he so, wants us to say, oh yeah, for yeah, the Gary, yeah, so yeah. like, ah, oh, really talented guy, yeah, he's got a future in Marco. We're not falling for your tricks. Look at that. He's got a Wikipedia page as well. Is this a football manager? This guy. <laughs> ah, <laughs> it could be. Uh, he plays for Rosario Central, huh. according to Wikipedia. Uh, he's 22 years old. Oh, yeah. I should really know this, though, considering I was... <laughs> yeah, we've got... Yeah, Central, 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 Central. He's played 108 matches for Rosario Central. Oh, right. a bit embarrassing. It's not that... Where most of them have been for Rosario Central's reserve. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, I wish they might have Sorry, no, the second division, they put a single in the one they've been passing up. Um, don't know. I suspect probably in Europe, though, because the way that... Uh, because that was some goal, I have to say. I've totally because it was such a team goal, which is such a rarity here. It stuck in my mind for every player contributing. A lovely little oh, move, you're right. Uh, yes, move, it was. Yeah, a move uh, in from the left, which was then met by a, yeah, surprisingly skillful. So it should have stuck in my mind. In terms of maintaining our dignity and uh, our, our name for being at the very pinnacle of all things Argentine football, we realised that we've just really shat the bed on this one. <laughs> um, but Rob is now going to give you some thoughts about Fede Carrizo. Yeah. We saw last night. Good We're not just cut all of this out. Yes. Ah, Fede Carrizo, ah, central player. Yeah. Midfielder, right? I'm right. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'd say his future is definitely a Boca or in Europe. Yeah, that's the answer. It's a question. very oddly phrased question, yeah. I must say. I, I think it means do we expect him to go to Boca or do we expect him to go to Europe? I would say Europe because right. increasingly the way that uh, the Argentine obviously transfer system used to work was that players would come through at provincial clubs or at the smaller Grand Buenos Aires clubs and after that they'd move to River or Boca and then they'd get sold to Europe this is why Maradona went through Boca before going to Barcelona after playing five years for Argentinos um, it's why players went from Tigre to River for instance um, a, a lot of the time particularly in the 50s and then on to, to Europe and it's why River and Boca were able to get such enormous amounts of money in the 70s and 60s and 80s um, compared with the rest of the league that's obviously completely disappeared almost especially in the last 10 years where European clubs increasingly have thought well if we just go and scout Banfield now then we can get James Rodriguez for 50 pence rather than mm-hmm. paying Boca five million euros for yeah, him yeah. In, in, in a year's time um, so I would have thought that he's already going to be very much in the view of European scouts if indeed uh, the impressive yeah. performance that, that Rob claims he saw from him yesterday <laughs> uh, was not the very first I would say I qualify that an impressive strike the rest of the performance didn't catch the eye somewhat, so I would say is maybe, maybe not Europe then. Is he Sorry? No. Okay. <laughs> this is what Sorry, we know about him. Because, He's uh, not blunt. The, you know, the, 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 the blonde-haired player theory. Uh, ah, yes, of course. Johnson Wilson has, has espoused, I think, on this no, one. No, it's, um, so. it's in Soconomics. Yes, and it's in Soconomics yeah. that, that uh, players with blonde hair, particularly I guess, in a league like Argentina, where most of them have got dark hair, are going to stand out more and therefore scouts will notice mm. them, even if they're actually not playing as well mm. as their midfield teammate, because they stand out more, they stick in the memory more. Would we um, say this for Martin Palermo, maybe? <laughs> would that be an example? It would be a reasonable explanation about why he dyed his hair like that. Good. And indeed Gaston Fernandes. And now Rodrigo... Um, uh, yeah, Rodrigo Palacio. No. Uh-huh. No. no. 
Who's the guy that's doing the antes now? He's dyed his hair that ridiculous shade of yellow since uh, Gaston Fernandez left. Oh, Jesus. Former Independiente. Batian. Patricio Rodriguez. Ah, um, he looks utterly ridiculous now. I'll explain why he's done that. When people stop thinking he's shit if he comes out. Um, Liam Kelly says, funnily enough, this is one we've sort of already covered. Juan Roman Riquelme has always been a key player for Boca. But to move forward, is it time that Bianchi starts planning for life without him? I think we've he should have done. He should have done that a year ago. To be yeah, honest, yeah, you could ask. You could ask for a sample size. Well, he could have done it over a year ago because he wasn't there. But, no, yeah. right. Boca as an institution. Yeah. yeah. Put that question to seven billion people, and all but one of them will say yes, and the one will be Bianchi. Oh, I don't know. Riquelme <laughs> probably say significantly yeah. overestimating yeah. the average intelligence of the Boca. Yeah, that's the. I think that's the problem. I think most most of them have to know. They just won't accept it. They know. Sorry, no. Let's not say Boca because that that Argentine. Who are you going to insult now? We're going to generalise. No, no. Because what I mean is, okay, it's it's all very easy for us, none of whom are Boca fans, all of whom dislike Boca to some degree, to sort of sneer at them and go and look at them like this. Yeah. And, but then you think of your own club. I mean, I can imagine easily River Plate fans thinking, oh no, what we've got to do now is bring back Ortega or something. Yeah, which for a few years. And look at Racing. You know, the answer to all the problems is bring back Melito. And, and, you know, much as he's got fantastic fashion sense and likes to laugh at himself and everything, it's possible that Ronaldo Melo's not the very best manager that Racing could have at the moment. Mm, he uh, did a lot better than the other well, fools yeah, that we course, had. Yeah, he's, he's, he's had a success at the moment. But, yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's the, this, uh, as we've mentioned already, the um, sort of culture of looking for the faded idol or not, not realising that the idol's faded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, in Argentine football, full stop. So, yeah, undoubtedly, to move forward, Pocket do need to start planning for life yeah. without Riquelme. Um, whether they're actually going to or not yeah, if they could postpone that until after society. the finale and I've watched Riquelme a few more times that would be okay I could, yeah. yeah of course because you came down here to, to yeah. watch him didn't you yeah. and uh, you've been unfortunate in that you came down here about five years too late yeah, <laughs> um, yeah watching him in 2009 2010 even like he was yeah. he was still a sight a sight for Soros he was a sight for 15 minutes against all boys and then he got injured huh? yes yeah yeah and indeed, for when you saw him away for us uh, against Arsenal, he was better against all boys, definitely. Um, in those fifteen minutes, he showed <laughs> something like, "Well, I've seen him a few times now, and it, that was definitely the best fifteen minutes he's played <laughs> against all boys." Against all boys, who won two? Who won two? Yes. Um, and finally, Graham Beaton asks, with rumours of a possible call-up for the next friendly. Mm. Do you think Julian Speroni can get into the Argentine World Cup? I thought we were going to go. I thought you were going for Tevez. Then. I was ready <laughs> no, no. for. I had my answer already for Tevez. How you were building it up, but now it's Speroni. No, no. Sevilla doesn't even know how to spell his name. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that always does the rounds in the English press. And well, I've, I've been asked a couple of times as well about Claudio Chacob recently, and he just yeah. think, I mean, look at the players no. who he's competing yeah. with. You know, yeah. he, he's fantastic. He's played very well for West Brom. I know this. I've seen match of the day yeah. through borderline illegal means, but I, I've seen it. I've seen how well he's doing. But he's competing for a place with Javier Mascherano, Fernando Gago, Evo Banega, who, okay, the latter two have now come back here for very, you know, different reasons, but neither for purely footballing reasons, yeah. just not being good enough at all for any European club. Um, and in Banega's case, only temporarily yeah. anyway. Then you've got Bilia behind him, who's yeah. very solid. Like yeah, that. exactly. Biglia is, is yeah. fantastic. Biglia was playing anywhere other than Belgium. Yeah, um, he's at that. He's moved. Yeah. Okay, Biglia is playing somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, he deserves more of a. a yeah. I think we could even go out on a limb at this point with uh, the recent call-up and say almost anyone who isn't in the squad now 
unless it's for injury or whatever, won't be going to Brazil. Yeah, yeah so this Cabo is most likely won't be going to Brazil, the Malaga keeper. Cabo was the name when the list was announced um, that I was actually looking for most closely, even more yeah. than Lisandro Lopez and um, um, Peruzzi and various others yeah. who you'd have thought would stand a chance, and you know, certain fullbacks, as I say. Yeah. If I was managing Argentina, um, I, and I yeah. don't by any means uh, think that Sabat is doing a bad job, but I personally would have Saletti in the squad still. Yeah, uh, definitely. I just want to see a Cardi go to out. the World Cup so one day I can come along for the ride. <laughs> it's <laughs> been so much fun watching you know, that whole soap opera, and I want it to continue in Brazil. They had a lovely holiday. Brazil would be the right setting for it as well. Exactly, yeah. Crazy. He would score the um, the winning goal in the final 91 minutes against Brazil <laughs> and he'd just charge up the terraces and grab her and do something. Can we imagine a World Cup final in which Icardi scores the winner? I'm not really sure the world's prepared for that moment. I think you're just not romantic enough. <laughs> you're just not believing in this fairy tale. you too much. I just said you didn't trash you deeply. <laughs> <laughs> it's my job. But no, I think at this stage it's safe to say that Jordi Asperoni has got as much chance of going to the World Cup with Argentina as Latin Ibrahimovic has. Yeah. Um, mm. And as we say, Kamashera would arguably be ahead of him in the pecking order. I'm really surprised that Malian didn't ask that question. That who? Malian. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But he, it wasn't him, though. No. But I think Ken's a bit more realistic. No, no. Or is it another ca- is it another account that Malian's? Malian did ask a question. Did he? Somewhere, yeah. Did he? He's not asked it to I saw it because he asked it in Spanish and that stuck in my mind. He should know this by now. He needs to tweet Handel Pot. There, was, there, there was another question as well. It was on to... Where is it? It's definitely on my Twitter. Yeah, let's tweet... Oh, we're, we're already on that. What, in general, why do we feel that South American football is so poorly administrated from Chris Hartley? No, that's a hell of a question. Who's that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> really. The answer to that question is because PM South PM America. 628 PM. Why is it? Right. Oh no, you're right, it is there. <laughs> Bloody hell. Can't Sorry. be any worse administrated than this Chris podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's because it's South American. Hmm. It's not only South American football, Chris, we assure you. Ask anybody who's attempted to do anything in Argentina um, ever. It's tricky. Yeah. Yes. Uh, ridiculously hard to get. I, I really wish that we had Joel here too, because of course your DNI uh, residency down was was all sorted pretty much. No, that still doesn't come. Joel's Joel's story is, is fantastic about all the hoops he had to jump through to get his even mm. after marrying his wife. No, I've, um, I've been waiting. I've been working legally since July, and then now we're in what February, and I'm still waiting. I got mine this week. There you go. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. Congratulations. Thank you. Although, Although it's taken so long. I've not actually started applying for mine yet. I've only been it for four years, so I've got a while. No, take it easy. Um, but, yes. Uh, no, it, it's not only South American football, in short, but, okay, in general, corruption. Um, <laughs> all of the typical shit that you think of when you think South America. <laughs> Beaches, beautiful women, corruption, drugs. Guys. Yeah. Everything. All, all of those food, reasons though. that South American football and indeed a lot of other stuff in, in, on the continent is, is awfully administered. And we don't mean that in a Western, overbearing, imperialist, oh, you must do things our way kind of uh, kind of tone, even though we sort of do. Um, yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, that's, that's why, basically. Yep, pretty much. Now, uh, I'm going to. We haven't got Melian's supposed question then. I'm gonna I'm gonna search for that one. Oh, just logged out of Twitter. You might have deleted it. Let's find out. Don't explain why it's not showing up at all. Oh, it was, he asked if if the stadium's open for Boca. I remember. Is the stadium 
going to be open for spectators this weekend? Probably not. No? Okay. I don't think it is. They might have opened a certain section. They might have opened one of the plateaus, but I'm pretty sure it's all closed. Okay, question yeah. answered before we found it. Here we go. There we go. I'm now going to play some music, and when I come back, I will try, because I did them in several attempts, to read out what Mystic Sound's predictions are for the coming weekend. Don't go away. As Peter's just pointed out, I did, Mystic Sound, sorry, did, did rather well uh, last week, and I take no credit, of course, um, in getting seven out of ten uh, for round two. And although, of course, there were no Mystic Sound predictions on the, the podcast, because they, we would do an episode in between rounds two and three, uh, in round three, the, the average was dragged down to 50% for the two rounds, because I only managed to get three of the round three um, predictions correct. But... Here are my predictions for the fourth round of the Torneo Final. Lanus versus Vélez Sarsfield, I think, is going to end in an away win. All Boys versus Olimpo is also going to be an away win in Floresta. Arsenal de Sarandí versus Racing Club. Away win? Home win. Draw. I'll take it. I think quite possibly a score draw, but draw. Newell's Old Boys versus Atletico de Rafaela. I'm going to go for a draw as well. Atletico are going to be flying and very confident after beating Boca, and I think they might just have a bit of a come down, but at the same time, you always find it difficult to score from open play. Um, San Lorenzo versus Quilmes, San Lorenzo win. Boca Juniors versus Estudiantes, Estudiantes win. Boca have lost like three of the last four in that one there, and pathetic. And Estudiantes are winning all the time and not conceding goals. Colón versus River Plate. I think Marcelo Barrovero is going to be the hero and man of the match in a draw. Godoy Cruz versus Rosario Central. Godoy Cruz to win. Tigre versus Argentinos Juniors. I'm going for Tigre to win. And Gimnasia y Prima La Plata versus Belgrano is an away win, in my mm. opinion, as well. Anybody particularly strongly agree or disagree with any of those? I'm trying to think about the San Lorenzo <laughs> one. I'm not sure they're going to win. Be interesting. Oh, yeah, they always fuck everything up. One of the spanners that could be thrown in Mystic Sam's works here, of course, is that all of the Copa Libertadores teams are in action during the midweek. Mm. Yeah. So it could well be. A, a, That's what was. Yeah. My Lanus prediction. What was this? The Venez one as well. In part of that, yeah. Lanus didn't take the league seriously mm. at all after mm. their Copa Libertadores game mm. a couple of weeks mm. ago. They, they put out the reserves and. As a result, Contempt. my prediction they were going to beat Rafaela at home was yeah. humiliated. The 3 0 loss, it was one of the only uh, three ones that I got wrong yeah. in round two. Mm. And now so your faith in Estudiantes as well is reminding me of a certain year well, with. Three out of three, they're playing a shit team. I know, just, just listen. Like. It's reminded me of a certain year with uh, Mystic Dan doing the predictions yes. when every week he went for an Estudiantes <laughs> win. Without realising and none of us realised it yeah. either until I drew up the spreadsheet at the end of the, of the yeah. championship to see what it would have looked like if everything had gone his way and we discovered that he hadn't predicted Estudiantes to lose a single game yeah. and in reality they finished about 15th. Yeah, it's like <laughs> top of the table by 10 points to 15th. It's like, like the, the BBC's Mark Lawrence and yeah. in which Liverpool have won the league <laughs> in the last 20 years. So I'm just wondering, you know, Maybe 
this Sistoyantes revival is going to lead to a, a return to this to the blind faith in Sistoyantes hopefully not I'm going to try and pay attention to what's happened over the last five rounds and let's see rounds. unlike Dan who did them on the back of a cigarette packet yes precisely <laughs> I mean I've actually got to do these for, for, a, for a serious job who paid me and expect me somehow to get seven or eight out of ten every week as well so um, I do take them seriously Excellent. believe it or not let's also keep an eye on plan for Ron and see if he can remain if he remains angry, angry they could do yeah. yeah yes always going to be very angry in the moment Seba Veron we should correct you Juan oh, yes, you apparently you, you don't call Seba Juan no. uh, he gets angry if you do just for a change yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty why he's so angry everyone's jo- like Juan jo- I'm jo- open Joel did it once at the beginning of an interview and immediately regretted it apparently um Anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening for another week. I hope to be able to get these online. Um, depending on how pissed I got on to get later on tonight, I might have managed to get it online later tonight because, of course, the, the matches begin in... What time is it now? Must have begun. Quarter past nine now, so the round three games, round four games in the Primera are starting in around 18 hours' time, I think, 5pm. Sounds about right. Very quick, yes. mental, slightly tiddled maths. Um Hopefully they'll be online before then you'll be able to listen to it, but if uh, you're going to be watching the games or if you're going to be ignoring them and waiting for the next episode of Hand the Pod, enjoy whatever you're doing. The next episode I'm imagining is going to be recorded sometime in the middle of next week rather than on Friday, fingers crossed. Uh, for now, it's thank you very much again for listening and goodbye from Peter. Goodbye. Goodbye from English Town. Farewell. Goodbye from Rob. <laughs> Sorry. Farewell has made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think of something to top that. Oh, fuck it. Just see you soon. Cheers. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.